Welcome to the Pillow Talk Podcast, the show where all things shy matters. It's a place where we'll explore our most uncomfortable topics and discover ways to better manage ourselves. So allow your mind to escape. Go to your favorite space. This is a safe zone and no subject is off limits. It's time to start talking about that thing that you've been avoiding. Welcome to the Pillow Talk Podcast. I'm your host, community wellness instructor, and educator, Coach Flo. Without further ado, let's jump right into it. Pillow Talk is a podcast designed to bring awareness about issues commonly experienced within our own communities, worship, and working spaces, and even in our own households. We discuss shy topics. Yeah, shy topics. Some topics that we tend to shy away from. You know, shy topics like sexuality relationship woes, domestic violence, imprisonment, finance, stuff like that. You know, society assigns us things that we should have. And a lot of times we conform to those things. But is that really healthy? Is that really helpful? How is that helping your well-being? Tonight, let's talk about it. Let's jump right into our shy topic. Tonight's shy topic is... STD risk and oral sex. Yeah, that's right. STD risk and oral sex. Now, y'all know we've been quarantined out here and we got a little songs talking about throat baby. I'm trying to. Okay. Yeah. So tonight's shy topic, STD risk and oral sex. So what's oral sex? Oral sex involves using the mouth, your lips or your tongues to stimulate the penis, the vagina, or anus of a sex partner. The penis and testicles and the vagina and area around the vagina are also called the genitals and the genital area. So if you're using your mouth, your tongue, your lip, your teeth, any part of that oral area to give some type of sexual stimulation, that's oral sex. And we're going to talk about the STD risk associated with, you know, providing that type of service now hey i'm not knocking it i really ain't i'm not knocking it i ain't even gonna say that i ain't never tried because that's a lie but however what's the probability of somebody else trying it too and trying it the same way that you tried and also what's the probability of them suffering from some type of unintentional consequence because they had a foggy freaky night let's talk about it many stds can be spread through oral sex. And when I'm talking about STDs, I'm talking about your common STDs like herpes, chlamydia, gonorrhea. Those STDs can be um, spread during oral sex. Using a condom, a dental dam, or other barriers during um, acts of oral sex actually reduces the risk of giving or getting an STD while you're performing oral sex. Now, I already told y'all we was going to have a shy topic conversation. And so don't be too shy. Don't 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 turn the channel. Listen up. We're going to talk about it. OK, let's talk. So oral sex is common. OK, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, oral sex is commonly practiced by sexually active adults. More than 85 percent of sexually active adults aged 18 to 44 years reported having had oral sex at least once with a partner of the opposite sex. 41% of teenagers 
ages 15 to 19 years, reported having had oral sex with a partner of the opposite sex also. So y'all, guess what? It's common. It's common. It's common. So let's, like I said, let's talk about it. Now, many STDs as well as other infections can be spread through oral sex. Anyone exposed to an infected partner can get an STD in the mouth, in the throat, in your genital area, or your rectum. Anybody. The risk of getting the STD from oral sex or spreading an STD to others through oral sex depends on several things. And it includes like the particular STD, the sex act that was practiced, how common the STD is in the population to which the sex partner belongs. The number of specific sex acts performed. Hmm. Now, in general, it may be possible to get some STDs in the mouth or throat from giving oral sex to a partner with a genital or anal um, infection, particularly from giving oral sex to a partner with an infected penis. Now, y'all, we got to talk about it. Guys, we got to talk about it. Gals, we got to talk about it. We have got to start paying attention to our genital area. You've got to pay attention to the skin. You've got to pay attention to the smell. You've just got to pay attention to it. I mean, because it don't grow back, y'all. That's the only one you got. So you got to take care of it. And a lot of times, that's something that we just don't even want to talk about. STDs. Noticing the difference in our genital area. Hell, even noticing the difference on our mouth. Some people see a fever blister and go insane. Oh, she nasty. Oh, he's nasty. No, I don't mean you nasty. It just means you just need to get a little, you know, little medication, a little treatment. Now, what's the probability of that person who's calling them nasty for their herpes outbreak exposure on their lip? When we can't see the herpes exposure outbreak in your genital area. Simplex 2. But anyway, STDs are coming. And they can be spread to sex partners even when the infected person has no sign or symptoms. If you're infected with an STD, you might not know it because many STDs have no symptoms. So which STDs can be passed on from oral sex? Chlamydia. Yep, chlamydia is one. The risk of infection from oral sex when giving oral sex to a partner with an infected penis can result in getting chlamydia in the throat. Giving oral sex to a partner with an infected vagina or urinary tract may result in getting chlamydia in the throat. Giving oral sex to a partner with an infected rectum might result in getting chlamydia in the throat getting oral sex on the penis from a partner with chlamydia in the throat can result in getting chlamydia on the penis getting oral sex on the vagina from a partner with chlamydia in the throat might result in getting chlamydia of the vagina or urinary tract getting oral sex on the anus from a partner with chlamydia in the throat might result in getting chlamydia in the rectum. The areas of initial infection include your throat, genitals, urinary tract, and your rectum. 
Now, the initial signs and symptoms of infection maybe include like um, most chlamydia infections in the throat have no symptoms, but when they are present, they can include a sore throat. Um, many genital, urinary tract, or rectal chlamydia infections have no symptoms. When symptoms are present, they can include a discharge from the vagina or penis. Um, the discharge from the vagina may be bloody, burning feeling when you're urinating, painful or swollen testicles, and rectal pain or discharge. Now, chlamydia can be cured with the right medicine. The sex partners of a person with chlamydia should also be tested for infection. Those who are diagnosed with chlamydia should not have sex until seven days after they and their sex partner have completed the treatment. I cannot stress that like to the max, like seven whole days. And just for a side note, the sex partners include all sex partners, you and the side boo too. Because if you and Bay discover that there's chlamydia existing in your relationship, then what's the probability of chlamydia existing outside your relationship with the boo or the bae? Okay? So, all partners have to have that medicine. This pillow talk, y'all. Y'all keep it real. Keep it real. Now, if it's left untreated, it can spread to uninfected sex partners, particularly by performing oral sex on a male partner's penis. And that's if it's left untreated in the throat. <clears throat> If you've not treated that chlamydia infection in the throat area and you give a male partner oral sex, he is at risk of contracting chlamydia in his penis. Now, if left untreated in the genital or the urinary and rectal areas, um, it can be spread to uninfected sex partners. In women, it can cause pelvic inflammatory disease commonly known as PID, and that can lead to chronic pelvic pain, infertility, and, and, and um, ecotopic pregnancy. That's a pregnancy in the fallopian tubes or elsewhere outside the womb. In pregnant women, chlamydia might result in premature birth or low birth weight in babies. It can be spread to the baby during delivery, and it can cause chlamydia infection in the eyes or infection of the respiratory tract that can develop into pneumonia. In men, it can cause a painful condition of the ducts attached to the testicles that may lead to ductal scarring. And in everyone, it may increase your risk of getting HIV. That's the virus that causes AIDS. Syphilis is also an infection that can be transmitted once um, having oral sex with a partner who has a um, syphilis sore or rash on the lips or mouth or in the throat area. Um, another important factor that affects risk of spreading syphilis is how long an infected partner has had syphilis. So initial signs and symptoms of infection may not have, you know, may not show, but um, the most common sign and symptom of of syphilis is one or more painless ulcers or sores on the lips, mouth, or throat, or on the skin, or near the genital or anus. And then there's also a rash on the trunk or palms of hands 
and soles of feet or flu-like symptoms. Now, the, the uniqueness about syphilis is that these symptoms appear in like stages or waves. So the first stage could be that painless ulcer on your um, mouth or sore on your lip or your mouth. Um, and then it goes away. And then the second phase is you get this big nasty rash just on like your trunk or your body or the palms of your hand or just underneath their feet. And then the third stage is kind of like nothing. Everything's all good. You know, everything's great. And or you have you may have like flu like symptoms. I take that back. I wouldn't say it's all good, but I'd say like, you know, kind of like winging it. You're getting over something that you thought you had. You know, you're feeling good. But then there's a fourth stage where it actually affects your brain okay so syphilis is one of those those infections that can be treated it can be cured with antibiotics um if left untreated it can spread to others through contact with syphilis sores or rash in pregnant women syphilis can be spread to the baby during pregnancy it can cause stillbirth that's a baby that's born dead or babies with untreated syphilis may become developmentally delayed, have seizures, or die. In everyone, syphilis can cause risk of getting HIV infection. And it may cause damage to internal organs, blindness, muscle weakness, dementia, and even death. Another common infection that's spread during oral sex is herpes. And you have simplex 1 which usually shows up in the form as a cold sore on the mouth. And then you also have simplex virus 2, which shows up on the genital area. Herpes symptoms can include headache or fever during like the initial infection or painful itching sores at or near the area of infection. There's no cure for herpes, but antiviral medicine can shorten and help decrease symptoms of herpes outbreaks. So you take this daily antiviral medication and it can prevent or even shorten the outbreaks. Even with treatment, oral infections can be spread to others, including sex partners. Now in pregnant women, herpes may be spread to the baby during delivery and can cause brain damage damage to internal organs, or even death of the baby. And everyone, as always, it can increase your chance for contracting HIV, the virus that causes AIDS. Now, my next question. Is oral sex safer? Well, not exactly. Many STDs can be spread through oral sex. However, it is difficult to compare the exact risk of getting specific STDs from specific types of sexual activity. This is partly because most people who have oral sex also have vaginal or anal sex. And also, few studies have looked at the risk of getting STDs other than HIV from giving oral sex on the vagina or anus compared to giving oral sex on the penis. Studies have shown that the risk of getting HIV from having oral sex with an infected partner, either giving or getting, is much lower than the risk of getting HIV from anal or vaginal sex with an infected partner. This may not be true for other STDs, though. In one study of gay men with syphilis, 
one out of five reported having only oral sex. Getting HIV from oral sex may be extremely low, but it's hard to know the exact risk. So if you're having oral sex, you should still protect yourself. So if you are here just, you know, giving out oral sex without any type of barriers, you are putting yourself at risk for contracting an STD. Now, like I said before, most STDs don't even show any signs and symptoms. But when they do show signs and symptoms, how do you let your partner know, hey, something's not right down here? Have you noticed this? Because I noticed this. You know, this is a person that you look up to, you love, you've decided to be intimate with, you've decided to share your body with, you trust this person, you care about their thoughts, you care about their feelings. Hell, you may even care more about what they think about you than you think about yourself. So how in the hell do you bring this subject up of something's not right down there? You and your partner have decided to have sex. Y'all know you should talk about sexually transmitted disease before the action start, but the thought of having the talk makes you completely nervous. Now, there are a few super confident people who don't have any trouble bringing up the topic of STDs with their partner. You got some people in the middle of sex who say, hey, babe, stop. Something smells funny. That ain't you, is it? You know, and then you'll have others who will just go straight on through the funk. I mean, a bump and grind right on through that funk. Take a bath, may or may not call you the next day. But if you're one of those people who blush at the idea, then here are a few tips to welcome the STD talk. Before you talk, first know the facts. Educate yourself like Shower yourself in CDC's Center for Disease Control and Prevention, uh, Sexual Wellness, Sexual Reproductive, STD Knowledge. Like, just shower yourself in it. And have that as a tool handy nearby once the, the actual talk does begin. Step two is know what you want from the conversation. You can't tell if a person have STDs by looking at them. Or just by knowing their relationship history. So you got to know what you want. And you should know what you want from the very, very, very beginning before Mr. Nasty time even take place. If I can be honest. So, you know, know what you want from the conversation. You want to make it clear that both of y'all need to get tested before you even start having sex. Especially if you know you want to have sex real nasty. If you want to have sex real, real nasty, just go and get it on up out the way. Go to your local health department. Get screened for STDs. Make it cute. Make it fun. Make it cool. Guess what? When both of y'all results come back negative, you can have all the nasty action that you want. Safe. As long as you continue to be in that monogamous relationship with that person. When you're going to switching up them partners, it's time to start switching up them results and checking them, making a list, checking them twice. That's the responsible thing to do as an adult to keep you and your partner safe. Now, you've been in that relationship or you've been seeing that person for however long you've been dealing with that person and you're ready to move on to the next level, take it to the next um, heated stages. But you think it might be kind of hard to talk to this person about going to get tested. 
If that's the case, you need to figure out why. Are you embarrassed or are you just shy? Or is it something more? Some people worry their partners will assume talking about STDs mean they have an STD. Other people may believe that a partner will reject them. The things that can make it hard to talk also offer insight into our relationship. Now, for example, people who would rather break up than wear a condom don't have much respect for you or themselves. Thinking about your concerns helps you prepare. If you shy, for example, putting your thoughts in writing and sending them to your partner might be easier for you. The next thing to do and the final preparation you're going to do before the actual talk is to plan what to say. Y'all, difficult conversations benefit from good planning. I mean, you have got to plan that thing all the way out. You can't script your conversation word for word, but you can prepare by writing down like the most important points so you don't miss anything. And when you're communicating that message, you got to make sure that somebody's sending the message, which is you, and the other person is receiving the message, which is the person that you're trying to communicate that message to. Don't over talk each other. Two people can't talk at the same time. When you find yourselves doing that, somebody has to be the bigger person. I'm suggesting that the person who wanted to have the conversation from the beginning also be the bigger person. And don't be afraid of the rejection that you might get. So plan ahead. Plan for rejection too. So that way, you know, you know how to feel. So let's plan. Bring your notes with you in case you forget what you wanted to say. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Whip it out. Because a lot of times when you get that crosstalk, you forget what you about to say. You know, people get caught up in just that little piece of something that you're saying. And you, you 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 lose sight of what you're actually saying. You can find yourself like arguing over a little tiny piece based on what they're, they're hearing. So just, you know, bring that piece of paper. And you can also prepare by looking up nearby places to get um, tested, like your local doctor's office or STD clinic. So just so prepare, prepare. Now, it's time for the talk. When you get ready for the talk, you want to go ahead and pick a good time. Find a quiet space where you can chat without being interrupted. And and don't wait till you're about to have sex. Don't wait until you're about to have sex to have this conversation. This conversation is easier to have with your clothes on. Plus, talking about STDs and the heat of things can lead people to make decisions that might <laughs> that they might regret later. Like, just don't know. That's the wrong time. Don't nobody want to talk about, you know, a little STD, a little older. Right when we trying to get nasty, like, now nah, we're not going to do that. So pick a different time. Start the conversation, too. Someone has to do it. Like I said, the person who's going to start the conversation is also going to be the person who is the bigger person. You're going to have to recognize when, hey, this conversation is not going the way that I intended. Uh, let's agree to disagree. Not shut down, but definitely agree to disagree. And come back at a later time. Now, see how your partner responds. After you introduce the topic, pause to hear what your partner says. If there's no response, be direct and ask what he or she thinks. Now, what I what do I mean when I say be direct? 
communicating. You want to be assertive when you communicate. You don't want to use you statements. You need to listen to me. Who need to listen to you? That's aggressive. I'd like for you to listen to me about STDs. Okay. That might have my attention. But when you're communicating, you should be assertive and not aggressive. Okay. This lets you figure out if you are in agreement with things. And if you're not, you can talk about it more. Say you'd like to go get tested together. Tell your partner about the options you found for where to go. And then listen to your partner's point of view. Being a good listener shows respect and sets the tone for the conversation. Listening also gives you clues to what your partner thinks. Ha! Y'all, work on your listening skills, honey. Because listening, again, gives you clues to what your partner thinks. And what at first might seem like a resistance to getting tested for STDs could turn out to be a worry over what it might cost. So listen to their point of view. Be calm and present your case in a factual way. Taking a just-the-facts approach can help you avoid sounding like you're judging or accusing. It's normal to be nervous when you first start talking about something like STDs, but even if you're flustered at first, you'll get past your nerves. The more you talk, the more they'll listen. And if you want to feel more comfortable about talking STDs, make an appointment with your doctor before the talk to your partner. Not only will this let you practice having a conversation, your doc can also help you come up with things to say and give you advice on how to get tested. Having the STD conversation can be awkward at first, but it's a lot less uncomfortable than discovering you have a STD after having sex or finding out that you gave one to your partner. It's also a great way to learn more about your partner and your relationship. So don't be shy. Go ahead and pull that boot to the side, get in your safe space, get in your safe zone, and have that conversation about STDs and the probability of it existing within your relationship. One in five people in the U.S. have an STI. That's nearly 68 million infections. 26 million new STIs were acquired in 2018, and nearly 16 billion total. And medical cost. Nearly half of all new infections occur among our nation's youth. HPV, herpes, trichomonas, chlamydia, and gonorrhea are the most prevalent STIs in the United States. That thing that you've been avoiding is not so uncommon after all. In fact, it's more prevalent than what you think. So start talking about it. Stop suffering. Plan it. Let's figure it out. Thanks for listening to me. I'm your host, Coach Flo. And as always, I'm going to remind you to keep it real with yourself so that the rest could fall in place. If you cannot think, you cannot win. And baby, you're a winner.